0: through 15 and if you'd like to read along it's found on page 4 in your bulletin listen for the word of god remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god on it you shall do not do any work neither you nor your son or daughter nor your manservant or maidservant nor your animals nor the alien within your gates For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor Nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's pray together. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time, this time for us to ponder your word, your heart, your purposes for us. We pray that you would, in this time, teach us how to be more human, teach us how to be even more like you, and that you would give us honest hearts, uh, a willingness to be uh, even critiqued by Your Word when necessary, but also lifted up and encouraged, especially through Jesus, Your Son. And so please uh, meet us in this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier in this past week, I was reading to my daughter Elena her favorite book, Go Dog Go, one of my favorites growing up, and even now, in fact. Go Dog Go, a great book about... Uh, Everything Dogs, every page, a plethora of dogs uh, doing a number of things. And one of the pages has this fine series of pictures of dogs with jackhammers and dogs with uh, uh, building things and using their hands for labor. And then on the next page, a bunch of dogs playing baseball. And the words go like this. uh, Dogs at work. Work, dogs, work. Dogs at play. Play, dogs, play and I turned to Elena and I said, Elena, God loves it when we work and God loves it when we play. Did you know that this is going to be this sermon, this Sunday sermon, uh, you know, you're getting a little uh, a preview here in your children's book, you never knew it, how deep this could be, Elena. Um, and she uh, just wanted to turn the page. Um, we're looking today at this topic of work. On the one hand, and on the other hand, rest. Focusing today on this issue of rest. The word that we find in our two passages today is the word Sabbath, which in the original Hebrew means to stop or to rest. You see it in verse verse 9 of Exodus 20, verses 13 and 14 of Deuteronomy 5. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, But the seventh is a Sabbath. The seventh is a ceasing, a resting, a stopping unto the Lord your God. Let me give you three quick reasons why I want to focus on this briefly here today. Uh, Number one, I stink at it. And I imagine some of you do too. Uh, A major challenge of learning how to build into life a normal, healthy balance and routine of work and refreshment, of labor and rest, in a way that lifts us up as real, whole people. I mean, how much do we live our lives just feeling like there's never enough time to get everything done, to the point where time itself starts to feel like an enemy, Start to despise the calendar, or the clock, or that never-ending to-do list. Cramming everything in, living according to what's often been called the tyranny of the urgent. Waking up in the morning as I found myself telling another person recently, meeting them for lunch, and said, I woke up this morning, the minute I woke up, I already felt behind. (laughs) A terrible feeling to to wake up to. I stink at it. I imagine some of you do, too. Number two, another reason why I think this is important is we are finishing up the summer season, and we're rolling into the fall. And one thing that's curious is that the summertime is a time where we uniquely seem to give ourselves a lot of permission to rest, to play, to take vacations, to take breaks. We have freedom to do this. We even do it with joy, and yet when the fall rolls around, for the rest of the year, for some reason, you can't do it without feeling a little guilty. Or you feel like there's too much to do, and therefore you can't. What would life be like if we actually gave ourselves permission to take breaks even when the fall rolls around as we did in the summertime? What if we knew that not just you yourself, but God gives you permission to do so? Thirdly, wanted to talk about this topic of rest because, as I mentioned, we're moving into this brief week of focusing on the topic of work this Labor Day, guest speaker next week, talking about the importance of work, the value of work, the God-given nature of Work That whether you do work for pay or not, whether you work outside the home or if you are at home, whether the world recognizes your work as valuable and significant or not, that God has made us as people to use the time and energy and gifts and abilities that He's given to us to devote ourselves to God's mission in this world of redeeming all things, not just human souls, but all things in this world, making this world a more healed and whole kind of place that God intended it to be. And that, did you know that what happens from 9 to 5 and the way you devote yourself to your daily labor is one of the most significant ways in which God is working out His mission in this world. And here's the point, though. We cannot engage that mission without Sabbath. Or to put it another way, we cannot work well unless we rest well. This is what we're going to do in the next few minutes. We're just going to take two quick points and look at each of them as we find them in this passage. There's a lot that we could say about the question of Sabbath and of rest. We're going to look at two points and then just talk about a few practical pointers based on this passage. So number one, observation number one from this passage is this, that the Sabbath rest is a gift, not a wage Or a reward. It's a gift, not a wage to be paid. Or a reward to us. Notice a few things in this passage first. Twice we're told that God commands Sabbath. Deuteronomy 5.12, observe the Sabbath as the Lord your God has commanded you. Verse 15, therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. I mean, it's the best news and maybe to your ears the strangest news in the world that God insists that you take a break. He insists it. But notice also how God anchors the Sabbath in the story of creation. Exodus 20, verse 11, "...for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day, and therefore, in accordance with God's pattern, working six days, resting one, being made in God's image, after the template of God as human beings, therefore," the passage says, "...you too should rest." Our Sabbath call is grounded in creation. In other words, the moment the world was made, God insisted that we get rest. Or think about it this way before you and I were born, God said, Take a break. Before He saw how much you accomplished this past week, He already said, Take a break. Before He knows what you're going to accomplish in this coming week, God says, take a break. Do you realize how radical this is? Because so often we work feeling like we need to earn the right to rest. And how many weeks go by where we feel like we need to work up to a certain level or up to a certain performance standard or weeks or months passing by that we need to have put in a certain amount or kind of work before we can take a break on the weekend or take a vacation. The Bible tells us here there's something different going on that God actually gives us Sabbath rest as a gift, as a blessing, not as a wage to be paid to you because you've done enough. That God calls us to work out of the blessing of Sabbath rather than working to earn a Sabbath. So, for example, if you are driving around in your car... And you see that little yellow light come on because your gas tank is becoming empty. That light seems to be on in our car all the time, and it's my fault, not Paula's. We're just sort of living on the edge, you know, one way to live a wild life, right? No. When that happens, what do you do? You go to the gas station and you fill up the tank. You don't say, I think I will fill up this tank because I drove really well. Or because I put on a lot of miles. Or because I really had a productive driving week or month. My tank is empty, we say. It's time to fill up the tank and it's out of the fullness of that filled up tank that you drive on some more. This is the vision that Scripture gives us of how rest is supposed to operate. That we work out of the replenishment of rest rather than working in order to earn our rest. Marva Don, a theologian, teacher, writer, makes the point in this way. She says, you notice, you know, human beings were created on the sixth day. God commissioned humanity to work, to till the soil, to actually work this planet and all the resources God has given us to make the world a clear image of himself. Sixth day. And then immediately, the next day, the seventh day, was declared a day of rest. So what's the very first thing that humanity did as soon as they were created? They rested. The gardening, as it were, had to wait another day. And this is what Marvadon says. Rather than working our heads off to gain some days of holiday, we rest first and then, out of the joy of that rest, work for the next six days. Grace reclaims us first and out of its freedom, we respond with our work. A completely different way of relating to a great weekend or a night off or a time of vacation. Because all the ways in which guilt and a productivity mindset, we'll get to that in a second, can undercut any efforts that we might make in the direction of Sabbath. Well, what does this mean? Well, first of all, realize What the Bible is talking about here, when it talks about rest, is not just inactivity. I used to think that that's all that Sabbath meant, until I realized that sitting in front of the TV for hours and hours and hours actually can make you feel less rested, more drained. Rest is not just doing nothing, it's positive refreshment. It's not just just ceasing your labor. And again, I don't think the Bible is only talking about your main calling, your primary place of devoting your daily work energy. I think it's all kinds of striving to get things done in that broadest sort of sense that God calls us to rest from positive refreshment and replenishment and restoration both in body as well as in soul. And so we need to consider what you might call physical rest and refreshment. Good sleep, eating good food, getting good exercise, but not only the physical but also mental rest and refreshment. Not thinking about work anymore, turning it off or engaging your mind in a different way. I remember when I was working on my master's thesis a number of years ago, and it was just an intense time of research and study and work, and how I had the opportunity to carve out some time to go to the gym and work out for a little bit. It was one of the few times I got a break to just use my body in a different sort of way and to get away from the library. But one of the things I knew I needed to do was to promise myself no thinking about research Just for one good hour, or one good hour and a half, think about anything else but your work. Mental rest and refreshment. Emotional rest and refreshment. Doing things and engaging things that actually replenish your heart, your soul, the way you feel. Playing. Laughing. This too is what God has in mind. And some of this also means rest emotionally in terms of sometimes if you are working through an area of grief, even that too, setting it aside for a little bit in order to return back to it fresh at a time. Because even that kind of grief processing can be a lot of work in the soul. Troubles at work, family anxiety, the loss of a dear loved one, taking breaks emotionally as well. And of course, spiritual rest and refreshment, time with God and prayer or replenishing your heart, your soul. One of the most important ways I think we do this is by actually taking the time to thank God for the work that we have been able to do. Just like in the creation story, each day when God made something, he stopped and he said, It was good. And then he made a little bit more stuff and he stopped and he said, It is good. And by the end of it all, at the end of the sixth day, he said, It's all very good. There's something there for us, friends. You see, because I do think a lot of the times we feel overwhelmed with work like it is just this long, unending strand of things to do that's never getting done is because we don't have enough junctures where we stop and pause and ponder what has God in fact given me grace to do thus far? It might not be everything on the list, It might not be everything I wish I got done, but darn it, by God's grace, I got something done. And praise God, even that was because of His helping hand, His kindness, to pause and to thank God for the little things, the little progress, the little ways that we are able to see that it was Good, the work of our hands, and to eat the fruit of your labor, to enjoy what you did actually accomplish. You know, one thing I've started doing is to sit and journal and list out, bullet pointed fashion, what I feel like God helped me to accomplish. Because there's just too many days you just slump over, depressed that nothing happened. And then you start writing it down and you realize, actually, okay. Made some progress. Maybe not all I thought that I was going to do, but it was progress to eat the fruit of our labor. And then, out of that refreshment and rest and replenishment, to be able to return to our work with new vigor, new joy, new inspiration, more fully present, perhaps, Maybe, maybe just a little bit less cranky. <laughs> How about that for a goal? Just to start off your work day the next day a little bit less cranky. I mean, I really believe sometimes we can start to hate the work in front of us because we haven't taken enough time away from it. Or maybe you come back refreshed with a new vision for the value of your work. This is how God intended our rest to operate prior to our work, replenishing us for our work rather than as a reward for what we have done. Observation number two. Number two, not only that our Sabbath is a gift, not a reward and not a wage, but also that our Sabbath is freedom from slavery. To rest is to declare freedom from slavery. Without Sabbath rest, we are all inclined to become slaves of our work. Notice in Deuteronomy 5.15 how God links the Sabbath here to the Israelites' story of liberation from slavery in Egypt. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, God says, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Do you realize that anyone that can't rest, can't stop, can't put it down, your work is a slave? A slave maybe to your need for success. Maybe to the values of our culture that defines that you're only significant if you do X, Y, Z. And therefore you need to put your nose to the grindstone. Or maybe a slave to an exploitative employer. I know it's not always your fault. Maybe it's the demands of the job. But here's the reality. Those forces, and sometimes even people, will use and abuse you if you are not committed to some kind of disciplined practice of Sabbath rest. But it's not just external forces, it's internal forces as well. Too often we need our work too much. And I'm not talking financially, I'm talking spiritually. The ways in which we use our work to give ourselves a sense of value, a sense of self Worth and significance in this world, before others, or maybe before myself in the mirror. It's Olympic season, and so of course you've heard a lot of references, perhaps to chariots of fire. At least you've heard the song played a number of times. But of course, there's that character in the story who's running against the main character, Eric Liddell. This is Harold. When talking about his goal of running and why it is that he trains as hard as he does, he says, I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor on the racetrack, four feet wide with ten lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. And some of you walk down a hallway to work, six feet wide, that lonely corridor, and you feel like you've got eight hours today, maybe twelve, to justify your existence. The ways in which we bow to our work as pseudo-gods, idols, things that we need just a little bit too much. And so often it's because we operate with this mindset that we're only valuable because of our productivity, which, friends, is absolutely the mindset of a slave, right? Only thinking of yourself As being someone that's useful or not useful. Productive or not productive. Efficient or inefficient. That kind of mindset that really makes us start to operate in a less than human way. This passage is clear that the reason why God calls us to work and to stop is because it's built into our human design. God created all things and worked in six days and then he stopped to rest. And in the same way we were made for a regular rhythm of six days of work and one day of rest and without being overly tight and legalistic about just the numbers in and of themselves, do you have that kind of rhythm built into your lives of work and rest and labor and breaks and back and fourth, because not to live that way is to violate your very humanity. And that is why some of us are breaking down. To overwork is to run against your human design, where little by little we become more and more, as it's been said, human doings rather than human beings. Less than... Human. And so here's God saying, look, to observe a Sabbath in light of Egypt and your slavery, my deliverance of you to say to observe a Sabbath is a declaration of freedom It's to take a break and to say to the world, to yourself, I am not a slave. Not to my work, not to my employer, not to myself and my own idols of heart that demand of me that I justify my existence in the next eight hours walking down this lonely corridor to my workplace. It's why it's such a grace that God would command us to do this. He knows that otherwise we would not do that. We need to be reprogrammed of heart because rest just doesn't always come naturally to us. This rest, which is a declaration, I am not a slave. Marva Dawn, again, she writes wonderfully on this issue. She says the only way truly to cease our incessant labor... How do you stop? Is to know ourselves as valued by other means than our accomplishments. Our only recourse for workaholism is to learn ever more deeply God's cherishing. Hear what she's saying. The only way for us to stop is for us to start to learn and realize that the work of our hands as wonderful and valuable and necessary as it is. Let's not lose sight of that. Work is not intrinsically evil or bad. God calls us to do it. But the only way that we're going to be able to put it down and not think that our personal value or self-image or righteousness before God or personal worth before the world is reflected in what we do or how well we perform, the only way we'll get around that is if we have an alternate source of identity, of self-worth, of meaning, of a sense of acceptance, and that is exactly what God offers us in Jesus Christ. Jesus, who, God, who was God Himself, standing in our place, and that through Him, having forgiven our sins, dying on the cross for us, but also living the righteous life that we should have lived, but could not live and did not live, therefore merited all the acceptance and favor of God that we deserve, even in spite of what you accomplish today in your workplace. The only recourse for workaholism is to learn ever more deeply God's cherishing. To hear God say to you, my son, my daughter, you are valued, you are loved, not because of what you produce today. I mean, some of us need to wake up in the morning and hear this and go to sleep at night hearing it again. You are not loved by me, says the Lord, because of what you produce today, not because of how useful you are today, not because you're efficient, not because you worked long enough or hard enough, but I love you because of my Son. I love you simply because I love you. Full stop. Period. This is why Marvadon again says Sabbath itself teaches us about the grace of God. Because when you actually do stop, it starts to train your heart that then that could not have been, the stuff you put down just could not have been the basis for God's love for you then, could it have been? If He's still loving you now, and you're sitting there, it must be something else. It's drawing God's attention to you. She says every Sabbath day when we don't work, It reminds us that the labor of our other days is not what gets us our grade. We've already been given an A++ by grace through Jesus. And then, out of the sheer joy of that, we work to the hilt and learn all we can. What a different vision of how we can relate to our work how we can relate to our rest. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Galatians 5 1. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This week, what can it look like for you to dare to stop? To Sabbath, to rest, to replenish, and to see that as a loud, courageous declaration. I am not a slave. I've been set free by the good news of Jesus. And that out of the freedom and the joy and the replenishment of that good news, that grace, I'm even more motivated to work now and return to my work, not out of compulsion and obligation, not out of a sense of justifying my existence, but out of love, out of freedom, out of creativity, out of curiosity, out of a sense of calling and inspiration and vision. Let's get practical. Let's get practical. Real quickly, a couple things here to close. How do we do this? What does this passage say? Number one, our times of rest are to be holy. You see that word in verse 8, verse 11? Also verse 12 of the Deuteronomy passage. What does holy mean? Does it mean, therefore, that in your rest you need to be reading the Bible the whole time or going to a lot of church services? No. The word holy in the Old Testament overall means being set aside as being special. Set aside as special, and so sometimes you would have someone that was appointed to office, like a priest, and they would be described as holy. Uh, a, A person that was set aside for a special task. Or a certain kind of lamb that was being offered for sacrifice. There were lots of lambs all around the Israelite community, but this one here would be set aside for a sacrifice. It would be holy, special, your days and times of rest are to be holy. In other words, different. Set apart as special from other days and other moments. So creatively thinking through, how do, we, how do I make this time a little bit sacred? Different from other times of the day. Maybe it means something as simple as walking at a different pace than you normally would walk. If you do a lot of reading throughout the week or during your sort of work hours, maybe it means not doing a lot of reading for your personal replenishment and rest. I remember years ago, again, when I was in graduate school seminary and was in an intense period of study, a friend of mine, we decided spontaneously to take a kayaking trip down a river, called the Potomac. This is before I lived down here, and it's kind of fun thinking about now, looking at the river and realizing where we were. It was kind of past Alexandria. We went to this random kayaking rental place, got kayaks, packed a couple of tents, and just started rowing down the Potomac, and camped out, had a good time, came back up, explored a little bit. And I remember how incredibly and uniquely replenishing that was, Because my whole life at that time was squeezing my brain (laughs) in a way where I felt like I was burning out a couple fuses in parts of my head. And it was just so good to really, really exert myself physically and not have to think about anything at all. What might something like that, your kayaking trip, as it were, be for you? Something set aside as special and even sacred, protected, meaning guarded, to actually guard this time of rest. Guard it almost as if you would guard a normal commitment or appointment. You see, because God seems to see this as a priority, not just an extracurricular activity. So putting attention and intentionality and energy and protection to it. Okay, number one, holy. Number two, our times of rest are to be rhythmic and routine. Rhythmic and routine. You notice the passage talks about this pattern of six days of work and one day of rest. Six plus one. And then you repeat it again. Six plus one. Six days of work. One day of rest. What the Bible here is not saying is that it's not legitimate to take long, extended vacations. But I do think there's wisdom here that we often overlook. That, dear friends, sometimes what we most need, and I am speaking to myself, what we most need is not another long vacation, but better habits and practices of routine, rhythmic breaks. Daily, in the evening. Weekly, on your day off. Rhythmic, routine rest that God has prescribed for us. Whether setting aside a full 24-hour day, or maybe even mini-Sabbath little moments. But isn't this true that our modern mindset is this idea of the extended vacation sort of being our hope? Our dream, our lust, what we daydream about, right? A different vision, something smaller, something more regular, something that you might even call more disciplined. And let me pause here for a second and say this. Some of you are in a station of life or in a unique calling where it's just really hard and maybe in some ways impossible to implement this sort of regular kind of extended rest. Maybe because of the unique way in which you are called to be an emergency medical practitioner, Uh, the way in which you are maybe struggling to make ends meet, and you're cobbling together a number of jobs, and you would admit you're burnt out, worn out, But you feel like you have to do it. Parents of young children, the work never ends. Or a single parent, or students too. Even though I want to challenge students here, see your work as work as a student and take breaks and take a Sabbath too. Frequenting a couple establishments here on 14th Street this past week and was reading a book on rest and Sabbath. And one of the clerks turned to me and saw the book and he said, Hey, what are you reading there? And I said, "Uh, uh, It's a book on rest. And he said, "Uh, (laughs) Rest. And maybe some of you are saying the same thing. There's a lot of mercy here, friends. And maybe, maybe this whole time this has been just one big depressing exercise for you, but friends, there's hope. There are little ways, little ways that we can do this for each other, with each other, for ourselves. God calls us to do this. Let's work together as a community to think through creative ways which for you might be just an hour of deep, intentional, well-planned time off from your little one or in between your multiple jobs. And for some of you that do have this compulsion and conviction that, no, I do need to take a full 24-hour day because that, in fact, is what God does seem to be talking about, will God give you grace? But we want to understand that this won't look the same for everyone. Which brings me to the third point, community. The importance of doing this in relationships with each other. You see this middle section of the passage where God says, rest, stop, cease, Sabbath yourself, but not only you, but your son and your daughter, your employees, the people that live in your household, even your ox and your cattle. Everything under your charge, you see. God says, first of all, it's not only for you, but something that you ought to offer other people as a gift. Especially those that are under your charge, people that maybe are on your project if you're a project manager, or employees of yours if you own a business, or children of yours if you're a parent, or roommates of yours if you're sort of the task master of the errands of the task, I don't know, different ways that we can work this out. But do you re- realize that God is calling us to give rest and not only receive rest so that they too might flourish in their work a little bit better? Because we need each other's support and encouragement and accountability, especially in a town like this where nothing is more countercultural than a call to stop. Than a call that says... You are blessed by taking a break. And maybe there's creativity that we can employ together in community. Maybe sharing Sabbath time together relationally or giving each other time off. I was just reading again in this book that I've been perusing in the past week by Marva Dawn. She was talking about this one community that she was a part where different families would get together together every Sunday, I believe it was, and one week, so these are families with small children, uh, they would, uh, one week, one couple took all the kids and gave the other couple a little time off, and then the next week, they would flip-flop. The other couple would take all the kids and watch the children while the others had an hour or two or three off to themselves, and then the next week after that, All four parents and all the kids would spend time together. And I just thought, hey, you know, I don't know what if that would work here, if that would be something people would be interested in. And I'm not just talking about married couples with little kids, but even whatever our station in life with, what are ways that we can creatively supply each other with rest that is hard to come by when we're doing it on our own? Maybe it means going to Carolyn's house for dinner on Sunday evening because you know that you're great temptation on Sunday night will be to drift back to your books or to your work or to your Blackberry or iPhone. No one has a Blackberry anymore. (laughs) And to do it in community because we need each other and because it's that important. Our work is valuable, important. It's part of the mission of God. We will reflect on that more next week, more fully. But friends, we cannot work well unless we rest well. What might that look like in your life and in our community? Let's pray. God, we give ourselves to you, asking that you would, please God, uh, open our minds and our hearts and show us how to live in accordance with your gracious, wondrous, joy-giving, life-giving command and call to Sabbath. We pray that you would give us your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.